<laughs> it sounded like I was trying to echo then. I feel very like <laughs> low, what like low energy today. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's just one of those days. It's a bit muggy outside. Just want to stay in and nap. Light the candles. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't think I've even left the house today. No, I haven't. I don't tend to do that. I'm actually I don't think I've left the house since last week. <laughs> In my defence, I've not been well. <laughs> actually, I did leave the house. I went and got tested for COVID. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> was that eventful? <laughs> it was, you know. So how's your week been? Fine. I haven't done anything. Been got into a couple of deep conspiracy holes. Um, Reddit holes. Yeah. Yeah. You introduced Reddit to me, which is probably a big mistake because <laughs> I've now discovered Pizzagate, which I didn't know that what that was before, but now I'm fucking into it. And what's Pizzagate? Pizzagate is. Oh, God. It's is that what you confusing. were putting on Instagram? Yeah, it's essentially it's like I think it's linked with like pedo gate and the Podesta emails and like Hillary Clinton and everything. Pizza gate essentially is right. the idea. That there's this pizza shop called oh I'm not even gonna remember now. It's like ping pong, ping pong something, ping pong pizza yeah. or something. And people thought that the child like child trafficking was happening through there, so someone went oh. and someone went and. Did like a shooting there. I'm explaining it really badly, but if if you went onto my Instagram, you would understand it because I yeah. I I was going to say I did see something about on Instagram. I didn't know whether that was what you were talking about though. But yeah, I feel like I just can't. I can't get into Reddit holes. I don't know why. I just it's not even a Reddit hole though. Like I'll read one Reddit thing, and then all I have to do is like type into Google, and then it's like everything's there. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Excuse me, my yawn. Okay. I've figured out as well that coronavirus is just a cover-up from the government. Don't, don't. Uh, it's real. Don't, because I, I, I saw that on your Instagram and I was about to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Here, it's mate? real, but they're doing it so that we don't talk about Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein... Hillary Clinton, all it's these paedophilia things, they're doing it so that we're distracted. No, right, okay. So I sort of understand where you're coming from. But rather than the sense of COVID is fake or it's not as bad as it is, blah, 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 that's not the government, that's the media focusing on COVID. No, it's not, though, than... because the government literally admitted, like, the other day, that any deaths, they're, they're just saying it's COVID. Which government? Our government. When did they say that? Like the other day, it was on BBC News. So if you die from the, if you go in, if you go in with the flu, yeah, and you die, they just say you've got COVID. If you go in for anything and you die, it's just going into the COVID numbers. Are you sure? I feel like if if more people listen to us, then people would come for me and tell me that I'm wrong. But I swear to God, that's what I've read. I mean, I don't. Oh, I don't know. Because Australia, I think it was Australia or New Zealand, came out and was like, there's been like over a thousand people a week dying just from suicide. And that's more than COVID, Mm. especially in that country. And no one's talking about it. They're just talking about COVID. But so that's that's what I mean. Like, that's what I feel like you sort of getting at with um, 
Jeffrey Epstein and the whole paedophile thing is that, yes, it's happening, but people aren't talking about it. So it's not necessarily they're trying to distract you. It's just that they don't want to talk about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's that much of an ulterior motive. Hmm. I don't know. Okay. So today we are talking about Waco because we're still on that cult theme, you know, mm-hmm. still on that cult train. Um, the Waco siege was in 1993, and it took place when a government raid on the Branch Davidians compound near Waco, Texas, led to a 51-day standoff between the sect and the FBI. The siege ended on the 19th of April, leaving 50 adults and 25 children dead. 51 days, that is commitment. That's a long standoff, isn't it? Yeah. That is really long. I mean, and also, like we say, it's Waco, like the Waco siege, but Waco is the area it was. The building was actually called Mount Mount Carmel. Yeah, so that's um, like the branch of the town was the place, and yeah, yeah, the people's temple is that right? Is what it was. Yeah, yeah. So, so the yeah. cult is the Branch Davidians. The people that live there are the Branch Davidians. Waco is the area. Yeah. But if you yeah. compared to Jonestown already, that Jonestown was in a matter of days, and to think that this standoff oh, yeah. in Waco was fifty-one days, like, yeah. So let's get in about their leader, David Koresh. I think that's how you say his name. I'm just going to go with it because I am shite with names, as we have, <laughs> as we learned from last week. <laughs> Not even just last week, mate. Um. So David Koresh, birth name Vernon Howell can understand why you changed it. Vernon. Vernon. <laughs> it just reminds me of Uncle Vernon from Harry Potter. I feel like the older I get, the longer the list is of names of men that I would never date. Do you know what I mean? I literally will scroll through like Bumble on Tinder and I'll, your name alone is going to put me off you. If I'm, if some guy literally came up to me and said, hi, my name's Vernon, I'll be like, mm, no thanks. Imagine, See, my thing I'm is... going to introduce my dad to him. Hi, dad. This is Vernon. <laughs> No, it's not happening. See, my thing is, like, who calls their baby Vernon? Like, here's my three-week-old Vernon. <laughs> it pops out fresh out of the womb and you think, Vernon. Yeah. <laughs> you look like a Vernon. Like, has he already come out with, like, bifolding glasses and a moustache? Oh, like... my God, and the tweeds blazer <laughs> with elbow patches. <laughs> the name Vernon reminds me of. Have you ever seen um, Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah, the brother. Oh, I can't even remember. <laughs> he's a like his name isn't Vernon, but he's a Vernon. Like <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> like the high waisted trousers and the polo shirts. Oh my god. Okay, back to it. <laughs> Sorry for the branch off. <laughs> um, so David Koresh. Beth name Vernon, sorry, I'm, I just keep seeing Vernon now, <laughs> <laughs> was born in 1959 in Texas to Bonnie Clark, who was 14 years old, and Wayne Howell, who was 19 years old. What the fuck? Yes. I, like, I wasn't even going to put that in there, but I just thought, that you, you got to put it in. Like, the age difference is not fussing me, but the fact that she was 14, what the fuck? Yeah, the age difference isn't too bad, it's just the fact that he is an adult. And she's probably only a couple of years into puberty. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah. only, like, one or two years in, isn't she, really? 
<clears throat> Before David was born, his father met another teenage girl, surprise, surprise, <laughs> and abandoned David's pregnant mother. David never met his father, and his mother moved them in with a violent alcoholic once he was born. Wow, I'm surprised she kept him. Yeah. I mean, Texas, though, it's very religious. When David was four, his mum sent him to live with her mother, returning three years later with a new husband. Three years after his mum's return, she had another son with David's stepfather. He described his childhood as lonely. He had poor learning skills and he suffered from dyslexia. When he was 19, he had a relationship with a 15-year-old girl who became pregnant. I mean, history, repeating, just Mm. saying. While attending his mother's Seventh-day Adventist church, he became infatuated with the pastor's daughter. Again, a bit stereotypical, that, isn't it? Like, just saying. (laughs) This obsessive pursuit of her resulted in the pastor expelling him from the congregation. I don't know if he was expelled just because of that or... Because he was a fucking sex pest. Leave yeah. this poor girl alone. Yeah, she and I don't, think, to it, I don't Jesus. think the attraction was returned either. Mm, there's a surprise, because his name yeah. is Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> In 1981, David moved to Waco, Texas, where he joined the Branch Davidians. This branch group was created by Ben Roden in 1955 with new teachings that were not connected to the original Davidians. So in 1930, no, in the 1930s, a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church broke away and founded the Davidian movement. After the movement's leader passed away, Ben Roden led the new branch group, the Branch Davidian, which took control of the original settlement at Mount Carmel near Waco, by 1962. The Branch Davidians believed the Bible is literally the word of God and looked to it for clues about the end of the world and Christ's second coming, as told in the book of Revelations. Why is it always the book of Revelations? Isn't that what the Mormons use as well, the book of Revelations? That's what, on the podcast, you know, Mm red-handed, when they were talking about that cult in South America. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know you know, but just for reference sake, they were like that when the police found this cult, it was in a church, and there were like people on tables, like sacrifices, and the Book of Revelations was what's open, and it's mm. always like in satanic ritualism, the Book of Revelations. Is the Book of Revelations like this? Might be really stupid. I don't actually know what it is. I feel dumb. Is like probably really stupid, but the Book of Revelations that's not in the Bible, is it? Yeah, is it? Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a chapter in the it's Bible. Oh, I see. Okay, I'm pretty sure it comes at the end. So you've got the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then I think there's like things. There's like the Book of Revelations, and then some other chapters. Right. Okay. That are like basically like explaining what's going to happen now. Jesus is dead. I think. Right. Oh God, okay. if I'm wrong, I'm really sorry if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure. I mean, I went to a, a Catholic school, and I. I'm not religious in any way. I haven't looked at a Bible in like 10 years and that was only because I had to for school. So I'm pretty sure that the book of Revelations comes like after Jesus' death and it yeah, kind of explains... Some some of it explains... The like the days and stuff like that, doesn't it? Like, say again? It talks about like the end of days. Yeah, like, and I think it explains like the second coming and things like that and like what to expect. 
So that's probably why it all comes up, but I don't know. If anyone knows, let us know. Because we're, we're fucking clueless, good. even though I spent like all my life doing religious studies. Yeah. Fucking clueless. When Ben Roden died in 1978, his wife Lois became head prophetess of the sex. What a title. In 1981, David Koresh arrived at the age of 22 and ended up in a relationship with Lois, who was in her late 60s. Okay. So he likes really young girls or really old women. He loves there an is age no in between. Gap, he? Huh? Maybe that's red- he loves an age gap. Hmm. Maybe that's hereditary. Must be. Must be. In 1983, David began claiming the gift of prophecy. He claimed that God had chosen him to father a child with Lois, who would be the chosen one. After Lois's death, David clashed with her son George over control of the sect. George claimed that David had raped and brainwashed his mother, demanding that David performed a miracle in order to win control of the group and challenged him to raise the dead. Cor- okay. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well, he is a prophet, so that should be fucking easy. I'd rather some wine from water. Yeah, raise the dead. Uh, no fucking thank you. Don't raise the dead. I'm okay, don't raise the dead. Yeah, can I just have some wine? That would be me. <laughs> Koresh and the seven of his followers exiled from the compound during the dispute snuck back onto the property. There was a shootout between the two camps. George Roden was shot in the head and chest and Koresh won control of Mount Carmel. David and seven followers then went on trial for attempted murder and while the seven members were acquitted, David's case ended in a mistrial. Interesting. I couldn't find why it was a mistrial. I didn't even know that happened. I knew yeah. that they fought, but I didn't know that it, like, I don't know. Mm. In 1989, David declared to the sect that he had been told by God to procreate with all the women in the group and that he would have 24 children who would play an integral role in the end times. Okay. I wish, <laughs> I was just about to say, I wish God would tell me to procreate, but actually I don't. <laughs> but isn't that fucking ironic, David? God has told you to shag all the women in the group. What a fucking quinky dink. It's like he just can't find someone to shag, so he has to resort to yeah. using religion Will for you shag it. me? No. Well, God said you have to, so now you're oh, fucked. <laughs> if you don't, you'll be on a timeout, okay? <laughs> In order to do this, David would have to split up married couples, needing everyone to agree that only he can have sex with the women, while each of the husbands practiced total celibacy. David also declared that God informed him to start gathering together an army of God, quote, and to prepare for the end of days, quote, and the salvation of his followers, quote. Okay, David, you know what? So it's going to be the end of days, but if you shag me, I'll save you all. You do you, hun. <laughs> okay, so let's go into the timeline of the siege. Yeah, what because... actually happened? <laughs> It's long. It's long. And I still don't fully understand why it happened. Maybe I do. I don't know. We'll get into that. So in May 1992, the local Waco Sheriff's Department received a tip-off about a possible statutory rape being carried out by David Koresh on women and girls within the sect. Some girls as young as 10 years old. They were also warned that the congregation was stockpiling weaponry. The Sheriff's Department then passed the information onto the ATF, which is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. 
Which, why is the whole child abuse and rape not being... Yeah, what I think is important to note here as well is that they were legally trading weapons, weren't they? Yeah, they were going to, like, gun shows and stuff, yeah. I don't know, paperwork, a licence, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, isn't it funny that they picked that to follow up, even though they were they were not really doing anything wrong there, but they just slide, slide the statutory rapes under the carpet? Yeah. But I think at this time as well, there was a raid not long before that resulted in people being killed as well of another... I don't think it was a cult, but I think it was a family that just wanted to be left alone. They just lived in the woods, like... But mm. because it's different from the norm, people think they're weird and they must be up to something wrong. Like, So I think around this time, it's just heightened on everyone's. And then you have things like Jonestown happened. And mm. So no one wants anything like that happening again. Like, but isn't it mental as well how Jonestown was kind of always... Everyone was always watching Jonestown. Or everyone was always kind of like, what's fucking going on there? Yeah, so no one knew about Waco until this happened. The Davidians has been going on since the 30s. Yeah, no one knew about them until this siege, until the FBI decided to... It's just weird, isn't it? Roll up guns blazing, basically. Mm. Over the next eight months, the ATF continued to build a case against the Branch Davidians, attempted to carry out a raid at Mount Carmel on the 28th of February, 1993. The aim for the raid was to fully search the premises and arrest David Koresh. So... Fully search, I understand, to see if they are stockpiling weapons. And David Crash to do with the rape, I imagine. like, Or the the claims of rape. Yeah, but why is it taking you nearly a year? Because you can't just storm in on things. Like, why it's so not? much better. Why not? I That's know. what they end up doing. Sorry, oh. spoiler. I know. But that's what I mean. Like, why didn't you bring him in for questioning and stuff like that? Like... Do a normal investigation. Well, this is, I, don't, I don't know if you write about it, but this is also the thing. They he all he wasn't hiding. Like he would come to the shops, go to the shops, and like go out and about. Like people saw him about in this in the town. Yeah, they used to play like live bands and stuff like that. But they didn't just arrest him. They they like hunted him. Yeah, it's 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 a bit suspicious. Yeah. So the aim for the raid was to fully search the premises and arrest David Koresh. However, the congregation were warned prior to the raid due to an accidental warning from a TV cameraman. Don't really know how that went down, but (laughs) they got a tip off, basically. To the shock of the officials, they were met with gunfire as they approached to begin the raid. Four agents and six Davidians died in the gun battle, with over 12 others, including David, being injured. I mean, if you're not up to no good, what are you firing guns at them for? Like, if you've got nothing to hide, it's a very dramatic response. I remember reading something, I can't even remember now, but it said something like this was essentially a friendly fire because they thought that they started fighting, they thought thought. The officials thought that the branch of Indians started shooting, but actually an official accidentally shot his gun. Yeah, it was to do with the dog group. It was a dog handler or something. Yeah, his something. Gun like they they yeah. didn't actually start shooting, so all of this could have been avoided. I don't really know. but Yeah, I did see something about that. Mm. Um, so having retreated the fo- following the gun battle the day before, the ATF handed over command to the FBI to begin negotiations. 
Right at the beginning, they secure the release of ten children from the compound. This is the start of the siege, one that would last for another 51 days. The next day, Koresh promises to surrender if a message that he has recorded is televised. The FBI agree to this, and the message is broadcast on the Christian Broadcasting Network. Although David then goes back on his word after claiming God told him not to give up. Oh, isn't that <laughs> a good coincidence? But like, what is he hoping to gain? Why does God talk to this guy so much as well? God has not once fucking spoken to me. And I've needed him. Seriously, I've needed him sometimes. <laughs> the amount of mistakes that I've made. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> A number of things happen in the, during the following days. The electricity to the compound is cut off a number of times during negotiations, being permanently cut off on the 12th of March. The FBI set up bright spotlights surrounding the compound and being them day and night. Lab music is also played at them round the clock. This is like torture methods. I was literally about to say that is literally torture. That is what they do in Guantanamo Bay and yeah. Bugarab, is it? Yeah. Like, the sleep deprivation is literally a form of torture. Like, the children in there. Yeah. Like, ugh, I don't know. Um, also, as far as I'm aware, the compound didn't actually have running water. Do you know what just don't make sense to me? It's like, with Jonestown and stuff, like, yeah, he was a fucking, it was really difficult for them to get in and investigate whatever they were investigating, but they did eventually. But, like, why are you torturing these people? These people want to be here. If you genuinely think mm. that there is like rapes going on and issues surrounding whatever, mm. why don't you just ask to go in and do an investigation? Yeah, do it for an investigation. Like, this is going on for 51 days. These people want to be here. What the fuck yeah. are you doing? Surely it's used a lot more resources with a 51 day siege than it did carrying out a thorough investigation. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All of this continues along with further attempts to negotiate until the 5th of April when the Branch Davidians promise to surrender after observing Passover, asking for eight days' grace, which the FBI grants. In anticipation for the, of the Davidians going back on their promise to surrender, the FBI applied to the US Attorney General for permission to use tear gas on the compound. I mean... There are kids in there. I'll just keep that's, saying it. There are kids in there, and you want to use tear gas. That's very interesting. I'll actually when I when we talk about the conspiracies and stuff, we'll come back to this tear gas thing. Yeah, because they initially denied that they used it. Mm. Um, the Attorney General Reno. I think that's how you say her name. That's a um, sick name. Yeah, Janet Reno. Oh, I should say during this time as well, the FBI sent in. They must have been sending them in supplies. So, because they hid bugs, you know, like hearing devices. Oh, uh, yeah, in yeah. Cartons of milk. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they sort of knew what was going on inside as well. Or they claim that they do. I don't know. So, Attorney General Reno initially rejected the FBI's tear gas plan because it was too aggressive. She was concerned that the Davidians might use the children as human shields if the FBI launched an offensive, which I can fully understand. just <clears throat> She also said that she heard from the FBI that the children at Waco were being abused, which was later found out to be false information. 
But at the time, Attorney General Reno changed her mind and granted her approval for the tear gas plan. As the FBI prepared to enter and make arrests by force, the Attorney General approves the gas plan and gets the go-ahead from President Bill Clinton. (laughs) Bill Clinton! One of the good guys. Definitely not a pedo. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This doesn't make sense to me. Sorry, I'm a bit confused. And maybe it's because um, I'm very sceptical, but isn't it funny that she said no and then because she heard all these accusations, then they turned out to be false. And then she said yes. And then President Bill Clinton is there. And they I'm didn't. Just... They didn't turn out to be false until after all this happened. Do you know what I mean? So oh, so even time, though she thought they were being abused, she still said, "Yeah, go ahead, do this." Yeah. So in her mind, it was we need to do everything we can to get these children out. But they're not going to come out safely, are they? No, because that you're going to sound aspirin. like a good guy, but I just. Do you know what? I don't believe that she is. I mean, I think she's one of the very few people who were trying to do right, but were just misled with the information. Approves the gas plan. What does that remind you of? Fucking hell. Fucking hell, I know. So the 19th of April, 1993, marks the 51st day of the siege. It's a day that the FBI decides to take the complex by force. They inform Koresh that he is under arrest and for everyone in the compound to prepare for tear gas attack, which anytime I've seen videos of tear gas being used, they don't warn them. So I don't know how you can prepare for tear gas coming at you. You prepare for it. Okay, thanks. Yeah. Grab a gallon. All right. So grab a gallon of milk, which we've got, by the way. So if you ever tear gas, make sure you've got some milk on you. I don't know about the different types of milk, but just no milk works. Semi-skimmed is the best, probably. <laughs> as as they gas the buildings, gunfire within the compound rings out. It's feared that some of the Branch Davidians inside have been shot dead, so by each other. Yeah. Who who did that shooting, I don't know. Like That's up to conspiracy theories, I suppose. Mm. The authorities outside the complex witness small fires being lit all over as more gunfire rings out and nine Davidians flee and are arrested immediately. So as more gunfire takes place and firefighters work to extinguish the fire, there's a huge explosion. The roof collapses in on itself with more explosions taking place. Later that day, the compound is destroyed and the FBI confirms that 75 people, including Koresh, have died during that day. Many of the deceased had fatal gun wounds to the head, chest and face, according to authorities. Koresh had a gunshot wound in the middle of his forehead. Among those killed was a three-year-old boy who was fatally stabbed in the chest with two other minors who suffered fatal blows to the head, according to the FBI. Like, I don't know who that carried out, but that's fucking horrendous. So during the 51-day standoff, the FBI was able to secure the release of 44 people, according to the agency records. Koresh had 117 conversations with it with the FBI negotiators that lasted about 60 hours, authorities said. This is all coming from the FBI, let's just note. Yeah, United. So, yeah. I mean, I don't really know if I'm on either side for this. Like, I feel like it could have totally been avoided. Well, you actually put him... Where did you say? The firefighters worked to extinguish the fire, but 
from what I read, the FBI actually stopped the firemen from going in to stop the fire until yeah, they, the building they had they collapsed. Went, yeah, they didn't go in, but they were on the outside trying to put out the little fires as they were being set. Which is very interesting. Yeah. Surely so, you know these yeah, people when, are going to die. Say, when I say they're trying to extinguish the fire, they weren't inside the building. They were outside doing as much as they could, which is probably very little with how it was set out. On the 3rd of August 1993, a jury returns guilty charges on a number of survivors for firearm charges and for aiding and abetting the voluntary manslaughter of federal agents. From the beginning, the government's handling of the Waco siege was heavily criticised. The new ATF director, John McGaw, criticised several aspects of the ATF raids and made the Treasury Blue Book report on Waco required reading for new agents. Attorney General Reno took responsibility for the botched raid later admitting that there was no evidence of ongoing child abuse within the compound. So, why did they go in there? Exactly. No one, nothing bad, nothing was really going on. They might have yeah. been, they were they, they were like changing semi-automatics to full automatics and stuff like that, weren't they? They were like minor charges that you could have got them on. Yeah. But I think it it comes down to the fact that you've got this group of people, I think it was only about 100 people, Hmm. maybe a little bit more, who are living, sticking to themselves in the middle of nowhere. It's a bit weird for people around them. Like, they're very religious. And people think that's going against what being American is. I don't know, like... Hmm. So, you ready for some theories? Yes, go ahead. Much of the controversy surrounding Waco hinges on the responsibility for the fatal fire. In October 1993, the Justice Department determined from its investigation that Koresh had ordered the fire in order to facilitate a mass suicide, a la Jonestown, if you will. (laughs) Bugging devices planted by the FBI in the compound recorded cult members spreading fuel around. Apparently. Hmm. According to the Justice Department, Koresh was a brainwashing sex addict guru who wanted martyrdom, nicknamed the Wacko from Waco. I mean, they just love a nickname in America, don't they? I quite like that nickname. I quite like it, the Wacko from Waco. Conspiracy theorists believe that the FBI deliberately murdered the Branch Davidians. Investigations of a right-wing maverick named Michael McNulty started to raise embarrassing questions for the FBI. McNulty aired his findings in two very successful films, Waco, The Rules of Engagement, and Waco, A New Revelation. The two main allegations made by McNulty are as follows. Number one, the FBI started the fire. After the event, the FBI always maintained that it had not used any flammable substance or weapon in its assault on the compound. McNulty discovered, however, that flammable tear gas canisters had been used in the attack. The FBI finally reversed the statements and admitted to using these in 1999. Why are you telling me that you're not using tear gas if you're using tear gas? Surely tear gas is flammable anyway. Well, this is the thing. They're using specific... I don't think I'll put it in there. They're using specific CS gas as well, which will explode with the gunpowder of a bullet. That's all it needs. One bullet. Right. Okay. In the air. So if there's 
gunpowder, gun uh, not gunpowder, if there's gunfire and they're throwing these canisters in, then that could be what the explosions that were. That would cause an explosion, yeah. That would cause an explosion. Never said what the explosions were. Exactly. Uh, the second point McNulty makes is that he examined heat-sensitive film of the operation and noticed flashes coming from behind the building. These, he claimed, were muzzle flashes, proof that the FBI had been firing on anyone trying to escape the fire. Really? I've never seen any. I mean... I don't know how far you could go with that, but I mean, it's interesting that a lot of the people that died had bullet wounds already. But were they not inside the building? That's what I mean. I don't know. Yeah. You don't know, really, do but, you? I mean, as far as I know, this whole siege was highly reported on television and radio. Mm. I mean, so how much could they get away with if you've got constantly got cameras pointing at you? Yeah, that is true. Um, Even if the FBI did not deliberately set Waco alight, it may have caused a fire by accident. According to survivors, the FBI's tanks knocked over the kerosene lamps in the sect that they were using after the government had cut off their electricity. I think that's very interesting mm. because they confirmed that they turned off their electricity, didn't they? Yeah, and they will have had to use something. Like, yeah, Texas is um, very hot, but it's also very cold in the night, so they'll have to use something to keep warm. And they did go in on them with tanks, and it was heavy, yeah. heavy yeah. artillery. That's what I mean. It was like, it was over dramatic. Do you know what I mean? Like, they didn't see, as far as I know, they weren't threatening to go into the nearest city and use all the weaponry they had. Do you know what I mean? It mm. wasn't that sort of threat. Like, they were, they seemed to be stockpiling. Yeah, I, I think because they had a, um, a, they used to go to like gun trade shows and stuff like that and like mm. sell guns. But also, he wanted to build an army to protect them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like they weren't, as far as I know, they weren't planning on going and attacking people. They were trying to protect themselves. Yeah. Which seemed like they needed to in the end. I'm starting to not feel so hot towards the FBI, I'll tell you that. For many conspiracy theorists, the siege of Waco was stage one in the plan for the New World Order in the guise of the United Nations to take over the US. Waco, according to their perspective, was provoked by the FBI in order to justify a clampdown on gun ownership, leaving the public unable to bear arms. Bullshit. What? Maybe I've just not listened to that sentence right, but so many people have tried to clamp down on gun ownership, not being able to access them so freely. Yeah, I mean, I look at it two, I look at it two ways. I think I think you're right. There's there's not been a crackdown on gun ownership. If anything, exactly. it's fucking more prevalent. It, like America is, America is just ridiculous. Like how many fucking kids need to die at school for you to stop selling guns? You can go and buy your vegetables for the week, and within the same fucking supermarket, you can go and buy an automatic weapon. Yeah, like that's to me that's just mad. But I think the idea of a new world order. I also find very interesting, but I think that's just me. <laughs> what do you mean by a new world order? So a new world order is kind of the the idea that there is a secretly emerging 
totalitarian government. Right, okay. So basically, the New World Order is like um, a secret elite power with a globalist agenda, yeah. and it's conspiring to eventually rule the world. Yeah, it was, which, no, it was just the like clamp down on gun ownership, that kind of thing. Yeah, it was just the clamp down and the gun ownership thing that just had like... Yeah, it's a very thin link. Yeah. It's a very thin link, but yeah. Okay. Um, one of those who blamed the FBI for the bloodshed at Waco was ex-soldier Timothy McVeigh, who, on the second anniversary of Waco, expressed his rage by carrying out the Oklahoma City bombings. I saw this, but I I didn't realise how connected it was. A poll taken in 1999 found that 66 Americans believed the Waco fire was deliberately caused by the FBI. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm torn with this because I think it was over dramatic the FBI to act like to attack like that, but also I don't know. I think. Let me tell you, what I think I think it's very interesting that they lied for so long about using tear gas and how, you, like, I think it's very strange how they went about the siege. Yeah. There is something there that they're not telling everyone. Yeah. Like, if you did start the fire and it was an accident, fucking own up to it. Yeah, like, you're the FBI. No one cares. You've gotten away with much worse, trust me. Accidents happen, but, I don't know, like I said before, it's very, like, they said, they said. Yeah, they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they'll ever know what actually happened. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Because there's no one, no one's alive. The nine people, the nine people that are alive are like fucking being charged with murder in the FBI's blah 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 and all this. Like, they're not going to speak so, out. Like, exactly. And if they do, and they go against the FBI, there's going to be people being like, "Oh, well, you're only saying that because you've been put away for this." Do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm. not necessarily going to be true, or maybe it is, and it's always going to be criticized and questioned whether it is or not. Definitely. But I feel like Jonestown was a lot more clear-cut than this. Yeah, I feel like... I Also, I think everyone knew that Jim Jones was a fucking sociopath. Mm. But, like, I mean, this guy's weird. David Koresh mm. is a weirdo, but, like, people wanted to be there. Yeah. And there was never any allegations of, oh, well, we're trying to leave and you're not letting us. Mm. I don't know. And also, I know that the that the tip that the sheriff's office initially got to do with like the child, the rapes and things like that. Who's mm. to say that wasn't one of the husbands who started to not agree with the, his wife sleeping with David Koresh? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know, but it, it's it's not the whole polygamy. I suppose it is polygamy, isn't it? Like, if yeah, they're is. into relationships, like, don't Mormons have that? Not all Mormons. Is it Mormon? <sighs> I know there's a sect, a sect of Mormons that believe in polygamy and they practice it and stuff. Yeah, I remember I watched that show and they were doing. Do you yeah. remember? Did we watch that show together? Yeah, and they they live in like the mountains in Utah. Yeah, it was very um, The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, th- that's not a new thing for religious group, religious groups in America and all over the world. Like, I know it's a big thing in, in India and things like that to mm. have multiple wives. Um, 
but I don't know, like, I feel like the it takes a lot for the FBI to get involved in something. Mm, yeah. So why did they so easily get involved in this? And why were they so eager? That's what I mean, like, yeah. why did it not take more convincing to get them involved in this case? Yeah. Don't know, we've got lots of questions. Lots and lots of questions. <sighs> Which, again, are never going to be answered. I know, this is the problem. <laughs> why are we doing this to ourselves? Anyway, that's that. It's a short one this week. Yeah. Um. So we'll do Charles Manson next week. To look forward to that. Oh yeah.